Hi everyone, thank you for joining us in the latest uh, Red Talk series. Uh, my name is Sarah Islami, I am an Associate Director here at Red Sea and for this session we are joined by our MD Charlotte Butterworth who is going to tell us about a fascinating project that they've been working on uh, tracking the lives of families through lockdown. Hi Charlotte, how are you doing? Hi there, I'm really good, how are you? Good, yeah, thanks very much. Um, so I suppose uh, we're here to talk about the project that you have been working on uh, called Families at Home. Uh, tell us a bit more about it. So that's right. Yes, we've been running a qualitative study looking at family life under lockdown um, for the past six or so weeks. And we've been running it in the UK, France and Italy um, because we really wanted to understand the emotional impact of lockdown and COVID-19. And we do a lot of family research um, and we felt that there was a real gap in lots of the studies that um, have been launched that haven't really tried to understand the experience for children. And our concern is that actually lockdown is having the greatest impact on children's mental health and their well-being. So we felt it was really important to actually try and get to the bottom of that. Um, and we also about that it's very difficult to understand the impact of lockdown unless you think about it as human stories and the emotional impact of it rather than just monitoring people's behavior at a kind of big data level. We really wanted to bring kind of the human story to life. So that's why we set out to do our project, which we started yeah, uh, around two months ago. And I suppose running a multi-country project uh, during lockdown couldn't have been easy. Um, tell us about a bit about how the study was run. Okay, so um, so the first thing we did was work really closely with our partners in France and Italy. So you know the traditional model of research has completely been turned on its head with with COVID nineteen. You know we can't do face to face research. We already have done lots of online work for, for many years and felt that an online community is a, just the perfect way to go about doing research in a longitudinal way because you, you get really close to people um, and you know it's much more interactive they can put photos videos you know it gives a really great personal window into their lives um, so we so yeah we had all of those kind of pillars in place and, and we made sure that in each of our markets we kind of observed the same sort of rules in terms of who we were speaking to and how we were speaking to them when we were speaking to them and what questions we were asking um, and I suppose for me that was one of the things that I found very interesting about the project because uh, you know there's lots of studies going on looking at consumers through lockdown but uh, this was one of the rare ones where the experience of children was included and um, I suppose you know they've been going through a lot of changes in terms of their routines and their lives and having their perspective uh, included was a great addition to this this project I think. So let's get to it. Tell us a bit about Kind of some of the insights that you uncovered in terms of the lives of families during lockdown oh gosh so there have been so many um so each week we set two themes um to focus in on and um also an emotional emotions diary or a mood diary each week as well so we could just really keep an eye on how families were feeling you know from parents to their children as well um, and so the themes 
have been really broad, you know, ranging from, um, you know, family finances, homeschooling, parents' mental load, um, how children are playing, how they're staying entertained and so on. So there's loads and loads of different themes that we've focused in on. But, you know, I think it's the kind of um, the emotional stories that really stick in, stick in your mind. So, for example, one of the very first exercises that we got the kids to do was to draw a picture of their life before lockdown and then during lockdown. And they were, they were, really, they were really lovely and um, they really captured just the shift in their worlds because their pictures of life before lockdown were really vibrant and colourful, um, you know, loads of activity, really busy, loads of friends, loads of people in them, um, you know, football, um, you know, all their kind of favourite activities. And then their, you know, their pictures of life during lockdown, you know, completely different choice of colour palette, you know, really grey, really solitary, you know, much less busy in terms of the picture. You know, there was one child who's, you know, life before lockdown, you know, had just so much going on. And then their life during lockdown was just a picture of their house with just a face in each window. So nobody was really together. There was no interaction. It was grey, you know, just a pencil as opposed to using loads of felt tips on their life before lockdown. So that really sticks in my mind because I think that really sums up just that depletion in children's worlds, um, you know, and their kind of, their, their sort of, you know, the family unit being clearly absolutely key to them and to their sense of kind of happiness and well-being, but also, you know, how vital friendships are and, and just the wider social network of their activities and all of that. So that is, that's definitely stuck in, stuck in our minds. Um, also, I think it's been, really i mean there are so many things that i could talk about but um it's also been really lovely seeing how you know children's sort of meaningful artwork so for example there was one kid who colored in every single brick in front of his house in rainbow colors um and it just became a real talking point in his street um other neighbours really valued it. Uh, you know one of the neighbours who walked past it took a photo of it and gave him a framed photo um, you know, so that was a really lovely human story of, of kind of, you know, creating connections in the community, but also just a child having some initiative and doing something really beautiful. Um, you know, and we've seen loads of kind of resourcefulness from families as well, you know, um, making dens out of all the recycling, um, lots of people going on bike rides and just desperate to get outside. And that's actually been quite interesting, just comparing the different different countries and, and you know different lockdown rules and how that's had an impact on, on people's behavior and their just ability to get outside. Um, I think another thing that's been really interesting is is that parents mental load and in particular mums have been very clear in articulating how difficult it's been to juggle working at home plus all the household chores because everyone's around all the time plus thinking meal times you know, three meals a day, what's for lunch, what's for dinner, um, plus setting the mood for the family and trying to keep everyone jolly, which I think has caused a, a, quite a significant mental strain. You know, the, the line about washing hands and dirt and, you know, bacteria and all of that stuff actually creates quite a lot of fear in children's heads. Like one child, for example, 
um, wrote that he's now discovered what what death is, and that wasn't a conversation. So this was a four-year-old. He, he he it hadn't even been a mortality hadn't even been a topic for him before, but it's brought up lots and lots of really big questions for children. Mm, absolutely, and I think everyone can kind of relate to that, and it has been a very kind of hard time for families uh, going through this. But it's interesting to see that there's been also a lot of positive outcomes. Definitely. And, um, you know, everybody has in, in, you know, UK, France, Italy, everybody's been really fast to articulate how much they've valued family time and the pausing of their frenetic lifestyles of, you know, ping ponging between one activity, the next. And, you know, that enforced shutdown of all of that freneticism um, has really given people pause for thought on their own lives and, you know, how they're spinning on a treadmill normally without actually stopping to think what's of value. So definitely, you know, coming together as a family unit has been really valuable. Although, you know, there's been loads of arguments and bickering and all of that sort of stuff, which there, you know, inevitably is. Also, what we've seen is um, siblings playing together much more. And, you know, we, we definitely think that for brands, you know, maybe there needs to be more of a conversation to families as a whole, rather than thinking about, you know, by generation or, you know, much more sort of micro age targeting, um, you know, just to really try and tap into and sustain that kind of whole family playtime. Um, so that's been really positive. And also, you know, people have been talking about the benefits of community and thinking local and just being much more conscious of wastage and what they're spending their money on. You know, the children particularly have been talking about it's just given the planet a time to breathe and to stop and for people to, you know, just be a bit more conscious that maybe this is a message from the earth telling us to slow down. Hmm. And of course, uh, all of this impacts on how families kind of, as consumers view brands and, and what they want to see from brands. Uh, what did you find in this regard? Yeah, so one of our most recent themes really focused on which brands they think have been winners and losers. Um, and there was a very clear message that the brand winners are ones where they've authentically tried to do something that's beneficial, either to the wider community or to families themselves. So, for example, um, Admiral giving um, insurance reductions because cars haven't been used. That was, you know, given as a really nice example of unsolicited kind of a nice, you know, giving back compared to the bombardment of really meaningless emails or advertising um, just saying we're here for you without any sort of actual tangible message. Um, so, you know, people have been really clear in highlighting action um, to prove authenticity rather than just sort of anodyne phrases or promises that don't actually mean anything. Um, you know, PlayStation was mentioned as, as being good for giving free downloads, particularly at the beginning of, of lockdown. And that was really great because, you know, that's a reflection of recognizing that families, gamers, um, will be having more screen time. And it's just a recognition of, of need. Um, compared to, for example, you know, people are really um, anti-brands where they have, you know, taken advantage of the government here's furlough scheme or been seen to take advantage of the situation and, and to be profiteering from it. 
Um, I think it was really interesting. They were talking about supermarket brands. And even if they weren't customers of supermarket brands where they weren't then able to get a delivery slot because there was a prioritization of vulnerable or key workers or loyal customers, that was still seen as, as really good. Um, you know, they really respected that decision that supermarkets were trying to feed the nation in however, you know, in, in the best way possible. Um, so, you know, those sort of decisive actions that were seen to, to be really rational and clearly thought out, um, you know, that, that actually gained, gained a lot of respect. And then just kind of quiet action by brands. Um, so, for example, Next closing warehouses where they couldn't guarantee the safety of its work, workforce, you know, without making a big song and dance about it, just did it. Um, and again, that sort of proved brand kind of credibility and authenticity. Um, so what's next then for the project? So we feel like we've built a really lovely, close relationship with these families in, in the three markets. And I think, you know, the findings that we've got have been really lovely and meaningful. And I think actually, you know, we've, when we've been looking at other research and, you know, big quant trackers, a lot of what we've been finding tallies with data but actually humanizes the findings. So we're really conscious that as the world sort of moves on and time moves forward, we want to keep those com that conversation going. Thanks a lot for sharing your findings with us, Charlotte. We might follow up with you again uh, as kind of uh, lockdown starts to ease and restrictions will be lifted and see how our families are getting on uh, through the kind of weeks and months ahead. Um, and I suppose thanks to our viewers for tuning in. I hope that you found this useful. Uh, you can, of course, uh, find out more about this project and some of our other work on our website and uh, tune in for the next episode of uh, our Red Talks. Uh, we will leave you now with some of the things that the families have shared with us that we found in the